0: Wonderful to see you all, uh, as I mentioned before it 's great to have you here, and especially welcome if you 're new with us today as well uh, i 'll move this lectern down because Patty is much taller than I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep your finger in uh, james chapter four we 'll kind of keep coming back to that passage, but we 're continuing our series in uh, respectable sins, thinking about some of the sins that we continue to live in when we really should be working hard to put them off, and today we 're considering uh, being judgmental or judgy, being critical. But uh, why don't I pray for God's grace as we look at all this. Heavenly Father, be with us now as we consider your word uh, and the way that you want us to live. And Father, show us how to judge all things with mercy and grace and truth the way that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, a witch hunt is a mob hunting or accusing, putting on trial and executing uh, punishment upon someone. A witch hunt is out to get someone. Uh, and of course, originally witch hunts were literally hunts for witches. Uh, perhaps, perhaps most famously in modern history, the Salem Witch Trials in Massachusetts, uh, Massachusetts in 1645. Uh, and to share one cautionary tale, Uh, really for my sake, Uh, the Reverend George Burroughs, the town minister, was accused of being a witch Uh, and amongst other things, uh, you know, he he could lift the barrel of a gun, it was said, by putting his finger in it and lifting it and so that in their mind confirmed he was of the satanic because that kind of thing just isn't possible without the satanic but also suspicion swirled around him as being a closet baptist because (laughs) he didn't baptise his children and so no wonder they were sus uh, and the, the town people had it in for him, and he was, uh, he was, he was put up uh, to be hanged, and he pled his innocence, and he said the Lord's Prayer, but uh, the people wouldn't listen. They had accused him, uh, and so he was hanged. Of course, the key take-home here is don't, don't hang your minister, all right? This is a bit, of self, <laughs> it's a bit of self-preservation. But Laura Bates, in her 2019 book, uh, Burning, says, "'Witch hunts never stopped, now they're online.'" And uh, in it, she maps, uh, you know, kinds of witch hunts. Uh, you know, she uses some examples from high schools, high school communities where girls are pressured to be kind of be sexual, but then when they are, they're accused of being promiscuous, and then they're judged, and then once the accusations are made, they stick, uh, and the person can't shake them, and they're kind of hunted. Uh, you know, they can even try and change schools and erase their social media only to have their accusations follow them uh, they're hunted and hunted, and their lives are destroyed. It's very sad. And our society, on the one hand, our society, on the one hand, it's known for preaching tolerance, isn't it? Live and let live. And yet, what is known as cancel culture, uh, whatever that is, it's never been more active and vicious. Uh, you know, I could give uh, any number of examples of, say, university lecturers from around the world who held values that people disagree with, and then the mob turned on them, uh, and now are shouted off the campus and. Often kind of they're so traumatized they end up leaving the profession. And so society uh, pressures us to call out and shout down behavior that's not approved of. Uh, Tolerance on the one hand, and yet people have never seemed more judgmental. What does the Bible have to say about all of this? James chapter 4, if your finger's still in there, verse 11 says, Don't criticize one another, brothers. He who criticizes a brother or judges his brother criticizes the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And so we'll come back to this question of the law, but the message is clear. Don't judge, don't criticize. To criticize here, it it kind of uh, means to talk down about someone, to speak badly of them. It's saying don't be judgy, uh, the dictionary defines judgy as tending to judge others harshly or critically. I think it's right what the passage is getting at. Don't be judgy. Uh, and in this series on respectable sins, sins we excuse, but we, we need to be working hard on to, to put them to death, to get rid of them. One such sin is surely our culture's practice of witch hunts, of uh, this kind of uh, judgmentalism. And uh, ultimately it's fueled by a uh, self-righteousness. Uh, it's, it's unloving behavior, the sort that followers of Jesus need to be striving to put off. And so don't judge. There you go. Sermon over. That's easy. Don't judge. Easy. But it's, it's not so simple, is it? Because on one hand, we're told not to judge in Scripture. Uh, but on the other hand, we are told to judge, aren't we? We're told to make judgments we're called to make judgments to decide between good and evil to even to uh, to call out evil when it's disguised as good so to give one example uh, 1 Corinthians 5:12 will come up on the screen uh, it says that we are to judge especially insiders inside inside the church god's people it says for what business of it uh, what business is it of mine to judge outsiders but don't you judge those who are inside But God judges outsiders. And so you can see, I've kind of just grabbed the verse, but you can see uh, what it's saying in its context, uh, that we we are to judge insiders in the church, hold each other to these standards, uh, and leave the outsiders uh, to God. We we tell the outsiders about the gospel, they need to hear the gospel. But uh, for insiders, for those in the church, we're called to live it out. We need to be gently, lovingly encouraging one another to repent of evil. Spurring each other on to this, and then uh, then the passage quotes Deuteronomy about insiders saying, "Put away the evil person from among yourselves." And so the Old Testament, uh, as with the Church now, God's people are to ensure that evil people, claim to be God's people, are to be put away. They're to be removed. Sounds a little bit intense, doesn't it? Uh, but but that's the reality. Um, obvious, ongoing, unrepentant sin. Needs to be uh, needs to be called out very gently, very lovingly, but called out. So outsiders need to hear the gospel, and insiders need to be called to live out uh, repentance and faith. So uh, that's going to require some judging, isn't it, to try and work all uh, that out? Throughout Scripture, we're called to be discerning to judge wisdom from folly. Uh, this was all in my mind early this week. Uh, when I, I went into a shop, uh, and the owner of this shop was an older gentleman who I knew, and he greeted me, and as we as we got talking, his phone rang, uh, and uh, I could hear the phone in his other office, like the answering machine, pick it up, but I think he hadn't heard it, and so he picks up the phone, and he's, hello, hello, who, hello, what's, what's wrong with this phone, and he, he kind of just, he just kind of started getting mad at this this phone, hello, and he just kind of kept yelling at it, and eventually he just picked it up and he threw it across the room and smashed it on the floor right in front of me. And then he, 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 he directed his fury at the phone dock, then he kind of grabbed it off the wall, ripped it out of the socket and threw it across the room. It was a spectacular display, the kind that I wish I had always done. And then And then he turned to me and he said, so how can I help you? And... As it happened, I was there to return something that he'd given me I thought was faulty. Um, but it's, it's all good, and I, I really like the guy, actually. It's all good. Um, I really like the guy, but I have to say, I think he has an anger problem. Uh, you know, I enjoy being his friend, but I wouldn't enjoy being his phone. Doesn't treat them very well. So judgments are, are important... There's no use pretending otherwise, and if someone asks me, should I go to his shop, well, I, I, I owe it to them, don't I, to give them some kind of heads up, you know, if the phone rings, get out of there. Uh, or if he asks me, does he have an anger problem, the, the loving thing to do is, is gently but honestly tell him, work through that with him. And so we do need to judge, don't we? Uh, and yet our passage in James, it mirrors Jesus' famous words from Matthew 7.1, it'll come up on screen, do not judge so that you won't be judged. Or in the, uh, the Old King James, judge not, lest you be judged. Famous words. And so there's some kind of tension and, uh, and pause for careful consideration. How are we to judge and how are we not to judge? Uh, and as is so often the case with the Bible, it points to our hearts and it says, work on those, start there. And so let's start by recognizing this uh, respectable scene in our own lives. Uh, let's understand the ways that we are judgy. Um, the world and our, our sinful nature, uh, we do a lot of judging. It's, it's, it's hard not to be critical of those around us. And ultimately, it comes from a, a place of self righteousness. Uh, but it's so much a part of life. You know, the fashionable person judges the, the daggy person as dorky, and the, the daggy person judges the fashionable person as vain. Or the older person judges the younger person. Uh, as lacking experience and the younger person judges the older person as, you know, maybe out of touch. Or the poor person judges the wealthy person as being materialistic and so on and so on. Like it's just so much a part of the way the world works, of how we see the world. And uh, we all uh, we all focus on certain things and value them uh, and we judge other people by those standards. So So if I really value being on time, being punctual, I judge all the late people. We apply our own arbitrary standards. The things we think are really important, we apply them to other people. You know, so if if being on time is really important for me, that's what I think matters, not running the red light to get there, to get there on time. But the the thing that we value is the one that we think is important. And sure enough, we see that by our standards, we're doing pretty, pretty well. And all the other people come up a little bit short. Uh, And sadly, it happens in the church, you know. we take our godliness seriously. We're trying to be careful. But then the temptation is that because we, we think we have certain things under control, we judge other people in those areas when, you know, they could have many more things uh, in a much better way than we do. The thing we get right, we look down on others for not doing uh, you know, all, all the good things, you know, I never miss Bible study, I always get to church on time, I, I go to my way to talk to the to the new person, to invite them in, all of these really important things, but if we do them, we can start looking down on the people who don't. We can so easily get judgy, even at church. We so easily get critical, uh, we probably uh, probably don't say them out loud, unless we're talking to someone we're very close to, and then we just think it, ah yes, there, there they go again. There they go again. And without realizing it, we're thinking to ourselves, gosh, God's lucky to have me. God, you made a good investment when you picked me. It's so easy for us to become like the Pharisees. Well, uh, hopefully this rings true for you on some level. I'm really just sharing my own struggles to my shame. But uh, you can see that the issue of uh, standards is right at the heart of what we're saying here. If you criticize another, you're, you're judging the law. You're saying the thing that I think is important is what matters most, uh, and that that should be the, the important part of the law. Which comes back to what James is saying in uh, chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, the second half he says, He who criticizes a brother or judges his brother criticizes the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And so the law doesn't say if you get the things right that Josh thinks is important, then you're a good person. No, the law says, love your neighbor. The law says, don't tear them down, slandering them. Uh, And in reality, of course, it's God that judges. Verse 12 of James chapter 4 continues saying, There is one lawgiver and judge who's able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you to judge? God's the judge. Don't get judgy, or God will get judgy with you. This is Jesus's point in the mirror passage, uh, in Matthew seven one. Uh, God will get judgy with you. It says uh, Matthew seven one: Do not judge, so that you won't be judged. For with the judgment that you use, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The way you treat others is the way God will treat you. If you're judgy and critical and ungracious to other people, then this is how God will be judging you. This is the standard he will apply to you. He will be ungracious, which I hope you realize is terrifying. And so why is that the case, that God will, uh, will show us the same attitude that we show to other people? Why, why are we warned of that? How is it fair? Well, let's, let's turn to consider the next point, why being judgy is so bad. And why it is so bad, in a nutshell, is that it doesn't show the kind of mercy and grace that we've been shown in Christ. Uh, And it even shows that we don't really understand Christ's grace as we should. So did you notice our Old Testament reading in Psalm 140? Uh, I'll put it up on the screen. David, uh, he voices the cry of all humanity and even of Christ on the cross when he says in verses 1 to 3, Rescue me, Lord, from evil men. Keep me safe from violent men who plan evil in their hearts. They stir up war all day long. They make their tongues as sharp as a snake's bite. Vipers' venom is under their lips. And so the, uh, you know, the so-called witches that were hunted or, or the teenage girls or university lecturers who were pursued and trashed, this was their cry too. The, the cry, the, these words of David, this is the cry of all people who are, who are judged. This is the cry who all, of all who are accused or thought badly of, of all who are seen in a bad light by somebody. Rescue me, Lord. <laughs> uh, they, they stir up, uh, you know, the, the cry is that these people accusing me, they're stirring up arguments in war. Their tongues are as sharp as snake bites with venom under their lips. And so David says in verse uh, 11 of Psalm 40, Do not let a slanderer stay in the land. Let evil relentlessly hunt down a violent man. So David's calling on God. He's saying, don't let slander remain. Remove it. Hunt down the witch hunters. Hunt down the judgy. Remove them from the land. And uh, to to cut a long story short in biblical theology, uh, the accusations that King David is crying out in this psalm are actually those of the son of David, of Jesus, uh, on the cross. These are the words that he cries out as he is faced and he is accused by the crowds who cried out, Crucify him, his blood be on our hands. The accusations and slander is that which Jesus bore for us, the sin that that Jesus bore was our sin, because who of us doesn't deserve slander? Who of us is not deserving of other people's disapproval, at least on some level, if not many? And yet God, uh, in in Jesus Christ, bears our iniquities, he bears our shame, so that God can show us mercy when he comes to judge us. When God the judge judges, he can forgive us, he can overlook our transgressions because of Jesus. And so then now, how shall we treat others? Dare we judge them? Dare we hold their shortcomings against them and slander them? Of course we can't. All we can do is love them. And when we see their transgressions, treat them with great mercy and grace. So how is it fair for God to say, if you don't show grace and mercy in judging, I won't show it to you either? It's because the ungracious person hasn't really understood the gospel. Being being judgy uh, is the action of someone who's still got a lot more learning to do at the foot of the cross, who still needs to understand the gospel more. Who still needs to let grace and mercy continue reforming their hearts and their minds. And on some level, that's all of us. But God is jealous to have us learn this. Uh, James 4, verse 5. Verse 5 of James 4 says, Or do you think that it's without reason that Scripture says, The Spirit who lives in us yearns jealously, but he gives greater grace? See, God's Spirit longs to teach us these lessons that we need to learn. He longs to have us put to death the old judgy self, the self that loves the world and its self-righteousness. And so the answer is humility in verse 6. Verse 6 continues, Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. What a great verse. And so uh, let's then uh, finally consider uh, what we've seen by thinking about how to beat judginess. How are we going to not be judgy? Um, as we reach into the toolkit of the gospel, what tools do we find? Well, the first thing is this humility, is this great humility. We need, we need to have such a deep understanding of our grace, uh, the grace and mercy that we've been shown. We have to kind of wear this grace we've been shown on our sleeves. People, people should see it on our faces, this kind of gratitude, so that when when we're judging others, we don't forget our need of gracious judgments from God ourselves. And yes, we take our godliness very seriously, but if we think we can get smug, we aren't as godly as we think we are. At that point, we have a log in our eye, don't we? The The famous uh, saying of Jesus, he goes on in, in Matthew chapter 7 to say, talk about the log and the plank. And so when we, see, when we see a speck in somebody else's eye, we need to be, we need to be so careful. It's like, It's like removing an eyelash from another person's eye. We need to be so careful, so gentle. Galatians 6, I won't read it out, but it talks of uh, when we go to a a brother or sister to correct them, we need to first examine our own heart and come back to this place of deep, deep humility. Uh, The second thing in the gospel toolkit to beat judginess is love. Is love. We need to treat everyone with love, uh, with the kind of love that God treats us with. Think about God as a judge. There's the judge. A judge who sees a problem. But how does God, the judge, act? In 2016, uh, uh, a judge in the US, uh, Judge Louis Oliveira, was faced with sentencing a man. uh, And the man he had to sentence was Joseph Serena. And uh, Joseph Serena was a special forces soldier, he'd served four tours in Afghanistan. But he hadn't, uh, he hadn't really adjusted well as he'd come back in society. He had PTSD and all of those kinds of things. And he found himself on a veteran's treatment program after being caught drink-driving. Uh, and then this time he was caught again and he had to be sentenced uh, to time in jail. But this, this really grieved the judge, Judge uh, Levera. Uh, Because the judge, he too was a Gulf War veteran, uh, and he said, uh, quote, when Joe first came to turn himself in, he was trembling. So I decided I'd spend the night serving with him. And so the judge judge sentenced uh, Joseph to 24 hours in jail in a cell, uh, but then he went and spent the time in the cell with him uh, on a mattress on the floor beside him. The judge, he feared, because he, you know, he'd been there himself, he feared that the the cell was going to kind of trigger his PTSD. And so he, he went in there with him and he stayed and they talked uh, all night. Joseph later described the time together in the cell as full of personal father-to-son conversations. Uh, there's a photo of them embracing uh, afterwards, after the night in the cell. And Joseph promised the judge that there'd be no more mess-ups saying... I don't want to let you down ever. It kind of gets me uh, as I I think about the compassion uh, of God, the judge, and how God has treated me. And I I see that moves me. Well, uh, as we return to think of judging and criticizing others, if I could leave you with one rule, it's, it's this treat people how you want God to treat you, graciously, with great mercy. Because how does God treat us? He sees us. He recognizes our great need. He recognizes our huge problems uh, in the righteousness department. Uh, And so does God stand there judging, pointing the finger, accusing, catching us every time we slip up? Is that how he judges? Condemning, criticizing everything we do, shaking his head disapprovingly? No. (laughs) No, how does God judge? He recognizes our problem and he steps in to help us. He, he not only takes our punishment in Jesus, he gives us his spirit uh, to talk us through living out a better new life in him. And so dare we judge our neighbour without first stepping in to help them as God has helped us? Of course not. When we think of God's mercy, we need to be full of grace and mercy as we see other people's faults. Let's pray. God, who can not be deeply moved and humbled as we think of how you saw us and seeing our problems, you stepped in to rescue us. You took pity on us and in your abundance of mercy, which overflows to our lives, you gave us what we lacked. So now, God, please give us deep humility. May we judge others as you judge us with great mercy, love and kindness. Father, fill our hearts and change our lives with your loving kindness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.